When I came out of college, I was well prepared to contribute to a company, but I had no idea what it meant to be a good man. I had to come up with my definition because what am I working towards? And I came up with a decision, as poor as it is, looking back on it, was to be a successful man to my wife, to my community, to my business, I need to be a vice president in a Fortune 500 company by the age of 30. So I sold my soul to do everything possible to be a Fortune 500 vice president by 30. I, I wrote it down. I worked towards it. I worked with my manager. This is what I need to do. My father would say, the good news is, is you're climbing the ladder, son. The bad news is you're on the wrong ladder. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, I'll tell you, if you were to ask me who is the one person that I personally know that I think everyone on the planet should meet, my answer is easy. Like It it comes immediately to mind. It's Mike Valentin. And uh, that's why I'm so excited, because today you get to meet Mike Valentin. This is a guy that I met years ago. It was the second week of my freshman year in college at the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, uh, that I got invited to go to this church called Lake Hills Church downtown. And there was this guy outside that was one of the most excitable, passionate greeters I had ever met. And I'll just never forget about how curious and how interested he was and how welcome he, he was and just exuded joy. And I I met him and was going to church there. And then it was later that I actually started working for that church or alongside that church out in West Austin. It was called Lake Hills Church. And I got to be mentored by Mike. And he just became someone that I admire, that I respect as a leader and as a Christ follower. But he's also just been an incredible friend that has been alongside me for so many of my highest highs and lowest lows. This is one of the guys that I call whenever I'm making my biggest decisions. And I think one of the reasons why I admire and respect Mike so much is he stands out to me as someone who has figured out how to strike the balance between achievement and fulfillment. So often, I think we set out to find fulfillment and we end up settling for achievement. But what Mike kind of shows and what Mike embodies is that you can be outrageously, incredibly content. You can be someone who is present and joyful today while simultaneously growing towards and being excited about a compelling future. And you can have both at the same time. And that's what I want so much for myself. It's also what I want so much for you. But I think the thing that's most fascinating about Mike, and I think this is so true for all of us, is that his journey towards being a person that I think of as exemplifying achievement and fulfillment, well, it wasn't always like that. You see, because he is someone that sold out for achievement. So in order to understand his perspective today, You have to understand his background. So for me, I was a a high-functioning athlete and academic in high school, three three sports. Weren't you like all-American in like multiple sports though? That's right. It was, was, yeah, (laughs) you know. Yeah, for a six foot, one hundred and eighty pound guy, I, I did okay. <laughs> and and were they football, baseball, and basketball? Okay, very right, cool. right. So that was a big deal for me, and leadership was a big deal for me early. Right, I was the captain of all those teams for many years, and then went to college and 
and captained uh, a baseball and, and played football as well. So that was something that was really important to me is, was, was sports and getting an education. But I took a very circuitous path to where I am today, right? And I started out as an engineer going to, going to college for an engineering degree, playing small college uh, football and baseball and really loved it. I thought actually I was going to be a professional baseball player. My father was a baseball coach. And I was, I was really working towards that, but my father really pushed education because he wanted a fallback. Well, mm-hmm. the, you know, the good news is I had the fallback. The bad news was I was a two player, right? Too slow, too, too weak, too, too, not too good, I guess you would say. <laughs> but extremely hard worker, correct? I, it worked hard at it. And, and, and that's what I learned was I, I love the art of the game and I loved working at it. I didn't love the game. And I think that showed as it went on, as when it came time to be, be considered for the pros, it, it came down to, do, do I love it? Would you have said that at that time? No, no, really? No, no. I, I, I remember my senior year in college, the scout says to me, you better like bus rides and hamburgers. And I go, why? He goes, because you're a six foot, nothing, 180 pound, nothing first baseman. You're going to go up against people that are much larger than you, and you better love the game because you're going to work in the minor leagues to get a shot at the pros because the the players that are going to the pros first are the six foot six first basemen that are 230 pounds and can hit a lot of home runs. And, and, and I really had a gut check that said, do I really want to grind it out in the minor leagues or, or or is is my calling really to go be a really good engineer in the in the high tech industry, which was blowing up at the time, and I was really well prepared for. Mm. And so, what what like that decision making process? How did you go about making that? Well, I didn't make it very well, honestly. Mm. I was falling in love at the time, so so that played a, a role in it, and and that love was in Connecticut, so I I stayed in Massachusetts and and got a really good offer in 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 a new. This sounds so funny in a new industry called computers and personal computers. (laughs) And what year is this? This is 1983. Okay, awesome. So, so anyway, anyway, so I had a wonderful job with a great company near the love of my life. I chose to to become to, to go into engineering and 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 and. To, to wrap it up, I, I stayed in engineering for a while, but realized uh, while I was a good engineer, I was a better leader hmm. and, 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 and that's both people and processes and very quickly realized that my value add wasn't being the best engineer there. My value add was leading and encouraging and motivating people to get large tasks done. I found that I had a, I had a knack for a new product development, developing things that were never developed before. How do you, how do you gather a group of people, motivate them and work towards something that no one else has ever done before? And, and that was something that we were doing in the go-go early eighties and, and late eighties. It was developing new things that today sounds so pedestrian, but at the time it was groundbreaking. And I would, and I, and I made a career of that. And were you loving that at that time? I was loving I was loving the the personal growth. I was loving what I was doing for my organization. We were creating things that no one's ever done before. I didn't like my lifestyle because it was all consumed with work. Really? And and what the, does that mean? Paint that picture a little bit. Long days, usually six or six and a half days a week. Mm. You go to work when it's dark. 
you come home when it's dark. Okay. Number one. Number two is I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete. I've had 3% body fat my whole life. And all of a sudden I'm not working out at all. So I don't feel good. Mm. Number three, I started a family. I've got young kids growing that I'm not spending much time with. And there's a guilt slash burden there. Number four is life is happening all around me. I'm not in, I'm not engaged in the church or my church community. I'm not engaged with my family. I'm focused on the next project. And that's the nature of that business is you work. Well, back then it was two years towards developing and bringing a product to market. You launch it, you celebrate it, you rest for a couple of days and you're on to the next project. Ooh. So it's never ending and it's never fully satisfying as I learned. Right. But it's very fruitful. Unfortunately, it's fruitful in the things that that, that I learned aren't the most important things. Money. I got a promotion every six months. Stock options. I, 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 I was building up towards my future. That's awesome. But I was a shell of the man that God wanted me to be. And, and I, as, as time went on, I started to regret that and kind of like despise the fact that I'd sold my soul to be, to, to be this leader and, and, and the leadership roles that I had, they kept growing in responsibility. Well, I'll never forget. You told me once, Mike, you said there would be these moments where you got so frustrated and you just got so angry about the person that you were becoming and the fact that you were selling your soul and you would almost hit the eject button. And it felt like every time that happened, they, they offered you more money. That's exactly right. They, they knew the buttons to push and it wasn't just one company. I worked for three companies in this, in this era, but I would get right up to the eject button. I want to get back to balance. And, and you're like in your 20s at this time? And I'm time? in my 20s. And making right. outrageous, outrageous money. Well, outrageous money. And 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 I, I failed to tell you what I've told you before was my goal in life, when I came out of college, I was an excellent engineer and I was well prepared to contribute to a company, but I had no idea what it meant to be a good man. What does it mean to be a successful, good man? And I had to... I had to come up with my definition because what am I working towards? And I came up with a decision as poor as, as it is looking back on it was to be a successful man to my wife, to my community, to my, to my business. I need to be a vice president in a fortune 500 company by the age of 30. So, so I sold my soul to do everything possible to be a fortune 500 vice president by 30. You had literally clarified that in your mind. I, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote it down. I worked towards it. I worked with my manager. This is what I need to do. So this is fascinating because there are people today that would look at that and say, what a remarkable, awesome example of goal setting. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a great goal, just the wrong goal. As my father would say, the good news is, is you're climbing the ladder, son. The bad news is, is you're on the wrong ladder. Yeah. And uh, yeah. What was the line you told me about the rat race? That, that that's exactly right. The good news is, son, that's another one. Again, my father was five foot four on a good day and he looked up to me, you know, but, but when he got mad or had some wisdom, he turned into eight foot, eight footer looking down on me and he said, the good news, son, is you're winning the rat race. The bad news is, is you're still a rat. And he said that to me because I'm, I'm a gaunt man, right? I, 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 I was, I was a physical specimen coming out of college, lifting every day and working out every day. And I quickly became this gaunt, weakly, sickly guy because I was just focused on that one goal. So you're right. Great focus, wrong goal. But, but you're right. I came close to hitting the eject button probably at 
2025 for the first time. Then I got into serious management. And then probably once a year, maybe once every year and a half, I'm real close to hitting the eject button. And next thing you know, here's 50,000 more shares of stock. Here's a grant. So, you know, you, you, you deliver that next product and that goes right to the bottom line. You know, that's going to be worth this many X million dollars. Why was it at that time that you think you couldn't, like you couldn't work yourself up because to hitting that that's real easy because the currency of success was money in my mind. The currency of success was money. My bank account was growing. I'm, I felt I was impressing my wife. I'm impressing my folks. I'm impressing myself. I'm impressing my friends. My currency was money. I wasn't looking at health or well-being. I wasn't looking at balance of being a father and a husband. I wasn't really focused on my growing my relationship with God. I was focused on I am putting money in the bank. Mm. So yeah, I came real close to hitting the eject button, but then a new opportunity would come up. And 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 there were things that sweetened the deal. I have such a lust for travel. I um, I soon became uh, a director of engineering that had foreign responsibilities in Thailand and in Mexico. And that was just that was just sugar to the soul. You so know, you're going there. A I'm lot going of the time. there. And I'm I mean, going probably there. Company jet. Company jet. Not only company jet, first class, right? Because as a director, as a director, you got to then fly first class. Not only did I have first class, I had access to both the private plane of the company and the helicopter. Yeah. So it's just like all these things that you look to as success, you were now getting. That's exactly right. You told me once about like literally being so analytical and I can see a version of Mike Bowden doing this, like paying attention to the plushness of the That's carpet. exactly right. So th- then it became, th- right, then it became a game of comparison. What Talk about a joy stealer, but as you're going through your promotions in this fast moving business, right? I joined it at 200 million and we're at 2 billion in just several years growing these things called personal computers. Who knew they were going to be that popular? And, and they're flying off the shelves, right? But as you're getting your promotions, you're checking out the promotions of your buddies. And you would, you would check, I've told you before, but you would check two things. You would check the cut of their suit how many buttons are on the cuff? Because that could tell you whether that's a Brooks Brothers suit, which is a thousand bucks, or you're wearing just a, you know, a, a Dillard suit, which is you know three hundred fifty bucks. Well, well, if he's wearing a thousand dollar suit from Brooks Brothers, man, he must be doing a lot better than I'm doing. And the other two things we would check is you'd count the tiles in the ceiling because those are two by two tiles in the ceiling, and you quickly count how many tiles deep and how many tiles wide. Oh. He's got, he's got, he's eight deep and, and eight wide. That's a 16 by 16 office. I'm only in a 14 by 12 office. He must be doing better than I. Mm-hmm. And then the last one I said was the, the plushness of the carpet. He's got Karastan 33 ounce. I've got Karastan 28 ounce. He must be doing better than I. And so that was a game to see who was getting promoted faster. Terrible thing ca- comparison is because it steals the joy of of what you're doing and where you are because you're only thinking about where you want to be. I want to be like him. I want to be better than him or her. Horrible, but that was the game back then, and it was it was a tough it was a tough game that took took a long time for me to realize I'm running the wrong race. What uh, this is why I'm so compelled by your story because. 
it feels like the race that so many people run because of just how remarkably driven you were as a person, but also just the situation and circumstances of getting on board this company that was just growing like a rocket ship. You've almost taken lots of people's life life experience and compressed it into a decade or two decades of your 20s, essentially. Yes. And so walk us up. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you hit your goal. Correct? I did. So 29 and a half, I become a vice president of a Fortune 500 company. In fact, in fact, became the chief operating officer on an interim basis of a 5,000 person company. Which this is out. I mean, like Nuts. that's outrageous. I was I was way over my skis, but 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 that was the beginning of the realization that I'm chasing the wrong rabbit or use whatever you you know metaphor you want to use but i'm 29 and a half i've met my goal which i've put my head down and worked hard for for 10 years i pop up and i say to myself i'm a vice president check i'm i'm independently wealthy at the time i've i've lost that wealth since then right with the with the tech uh, bubble that came in 2000 but 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 I'm independently wealthy. Check. I've got a family with two young kids. Check. Big house. Check. Access to the company car, the company plane, the company helicopter. And I travel first class when I go to Mexico, Thailand, Singapore, Hong Kong. Those are the, those are the factories that I had responsibility for. Check, check, check. And then I looked in the mirror and looked at myself and said, I don't like what I see. So just imagine the feeling of, 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 of attaining your goals on or ahead of time. And, and it's not the panacea. It's not the be all end all that you thought it was. It's a horrible nightmare because I thought then I could reap the rewards of my success. I thought then I could start having joy and peace and then I could start living. And I realized mm, I've achieved all this and I'm nowhere near joy and peace and having the things that I want. And that so it quickly becomes a nightmare where where it can go bad real quick because it can be it can turn into destructive behavior. Mm. It can turn into just just giving up and just becoming an being a, a full time workaholic, which I was on on the cusp of. And, and, and other destructive things. Mm. And one more thing I want to add. I moved my family from Boston to Silicon Valley, California, back to Boston, down to New York, and then to Austin, Texas, all taking these promotions and, and, and being a great company man and realizing that I loved my company and what it was doing for me. My company didn't love me. And 9-11 was the flashpoint, the tragic uh, tragedy of the Twin Towers in New York and the crash at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. That was that was the fulcrum, the, the pivot point that that made me wake up that something's got to change. It's not working. Mm. So when you start to have that realization, I know the word that you've used before is is you said like loneliest day of your life three words to describe your mental state as you hit that realization oh empty disillusioned hmm. and almost ashamed or embarrassed of i'm a smart man i'm capable and i completely missed it for 10 years 
because the balance was so broken. Mm. I was running the wrong game plan. I was chasing the wrong rabbit. And I had to recognize that although I gained what I went for, I actually succeeded. I failed because what I went after was, was the wrong thing. Mm. And it, the cost was so big. Tell us about the cost. The cost was a marriage. Mm. The cost was children growing up and not being there, being there physically, but not being there mentally. Mm. The cost was horrible health. The cost was being not estranged, but close to estranged from my parents, from other members of my family. The cost was I wasn't growing in my faith or my community. I didn't know my neighbors. I would just move from house to house because it was getting me closer to my VP position. Hmm. I was missing it. There were seasons going by in the year. Seasons I would miss whole seasons. My favorite season is spring. I would miss whole springs. Really? Oh my gosh, it's July. Where last time I looked, it was February. What's going on? Mm. And, and I remember, right. I know now it was God working to working on me saying, son, you're, you're, you're going down the wrong path. Mm. And nine 11 brought it to a head because nine 11 happened when I was in my second startup where I'm an, I'm a founding member of a startup that's on the cusp of going public. This is here in Austin. This is here in Austin. I'm a, it's on the cusp of going pro, going going profit, you know, cash flow positive and and going public. And I sold my soul for 3 years to build this team from 5 people to 100 people, 120 people. We're we're just about ready to go public. We're 9 months from going public. We are our backlog is 9 months deep. And we wanted to have a year and a half of a full, full factory build out to go public, show the profitability and get a big windfall. 9-11 comes and the business evaporates in the next five business days. The business evaporates from a nine month backlog to every single order saying, I can't do it right now because national security is at risk. And I don't know if my business is going to stay in business all non-critical and that hurt that stung to hear yeah, that no all kidding. non-critical expenses are are on on permanent pause now at the same time cuz i am so lonely and so devastated on on my lack of balance in life i'm searching and about a year before 911 happened i found the bible really I found the Bible. And what made you find that? I'm and what is searching. your spiritual background up to that point? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic okay. up to that point. Never opened the Bible. Wow. I practiced Catholicism faithfully, but I wasn't connected in a relationship with God. And I knew there was something more for me. Really? For me. And I opened that Bible and I found the wisdom books, the the Psalms and Proverbs, Mm. and I just opened it randomly and read a couple pages really in despair, like, God, something's better than this. And two things happened at once. One, God grabbed me by the the throat (laughs) when I read Proverbs and heard the wisdom in there Mm. and saw the things that I was doing wrong. And God saying, don't do this. It doesn't work out well for you. And I'm going, oh my gosh, there's wisdom in here. Okay. So I closed the book. I opened it at Genesis 1 
and started reading in the beginning and read that book from the beginning all the way through maps at the at, after right. Revelation. <laughs> Every this is single that early thirties. Early 30s, 30, 33, 34. Real. And you had never, up to that point, you had never opened the Bible. No. And now you read it covered. I don't know if you told me this. So before. I that's read 700,000 words, could not put the book down. That, but that's pretty crazy to go from not reading the Bible to literally reading through Deuteronomy and Numbers yeah. and Leviticus. I mean, yeah. those things are hard to get through. Yeah. So what was the, like, what was the enticement of that? Or why two, was it so well, gripping? Two things, because, two things that happened. Number one is I read Proverbs and saw the wisdom. Number yes. two is... I had a tennis buddy, which I was, uh, which I, I had found this outlet called tennis, and I loved the game. But a tennis buddy said, "Hey, we're starting a new church down the road. It's nothing like you've ever experienced with, where, with what you're doing right now with Catholicism. But I want you to give it a try. I'm telling you, I listened to you talk. You're fired up about this thing called Proverbs. Come check it out. And I got introduced to a personal relationship with God. So between that— And this happened at Lake Hills, Lake right? Hills the church. church that I met you That's at. exactly right. Wow. And, and, and I was the 140th member of Lake Hills Church. Which is amazing, because now that church is—I mean, it's a staple out here in it, West that's Austin. Right. It's measured in the thousands, maybe maybe tens of thousands. But, but, but the point is— I got turned on to a personal relationship with God because I was getting answers. I was getting answers to what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a good man? And uh, and that's what turned me on to. I'm starting at the beginning of the Bible, and I'm going to go all the way through. And I read all the way through it. It blew my mind. And I immediately I took a thank you, God. And I went right back to Genesis 1 again and read it with a with a, with a a Sharpie or a magic marker to, to highlight Wow. I read it through the whole Bible again, highlighting it this time. And now I'm in Bible study at the church. Now I'm in men's group at the church. Now I'm in community at the church. In fact, in fact, after 9-11, this startup, which 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 got really hurt by the 9-11, we had a I had to take that 120-person team and cut it back to 30 people to that's, survive. That's okay? gut-wrenching. But in that process, I'm spending more time now in in the Bible, in the church, in in investing in myself, in a personal relationship with God, that my board members of this startup said, hey, Valentin, we need you double time in this startup. You need to be giving us more effort. We need to rebuild it again. And I remember going through the process. I heard it and I heard it. And then I got called on the carpet that says, in order for us to rebuild this this business in the next three years to rebuild it back up, you're going to need to essentially put in 80 to 90 hours a week, every week. And uh, I, I saw that you want and this is a true statement. I saw that you put in for taking Sunday off Sunday afternoon off because you're going to get baptized. It's not approved. We need you here for a board meeting. It's unapproved. You need to be here. My and, gosh. and I remember that moment. It was the first, you know, and I'm a rule follower. That's right. And I remember saying, nope, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to God, not to you, to myself. And I went and got baptized. Really? And, and was, I, it a, was it a tough decision? Uh, or? It, yes, it was, because I'm a rule follower, number one, and I'm the, I'm the chief operating officer of this organization. And there's so, huge ramifications. There's huge ramifications literally saying, I know I'm deliberately doing something different than what you're telling me. Yes, and I'm giving up on that dream. Because at, I was I was deluding myself that now I'm 13 or 14 years into this dream of 
of being the man and all this stuff. If I gave up now, did I waste 14 years? That's a great way for the, for the, for the, for the enemy to c- come and work on your ego. So what's the spiritual principle there that applies to everyone? Well, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, right? There's there's a couple there. Number one is the the enemy is going to hit you where you're your your weakest, most vulnerable, mm-hmm. and and I had 14 years into this thing. If I give up now, I'm 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 claiming defeat, and you're defeated. Number one. Number two is I started learning about true currency. The currency isn't how many stock options I get or how much money I get or the next promotion. I, I needed more balance. I needed that. And I needed a personal relationship with God. And, and I heard God saying, come, come with me. Come, I'm going to make this right. And I'm going to bless you way more than that next set of stock options. Mm. And, uh, and there was a piece that came about that. And this, this is a piece that I haven't experienced in 14 years. Which that's pretty remarkable because I think of you and one of the words that comes to mind whenever I think of Mike Vallotton, I think of just such an analytical person, right? You are a very type A person. You read a situation as it is. And I'm just trying to think myself like you can't, you almost can't analyze peace, but it was clearly so overwhelming that you knew you had to follow it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And when I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, 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 and led by the Holy Spirit, there's this wonderful advocate in my heart, in my soul, now who's starting to give me some wisdom, right? I'm not just listening to the board members. Now, I prided myself, and that's in a bad way. I prided myself. I was a 30-year-old in the boardroom with all these 55, 60, and 65 years old, and I took that, wow, that's great. I'll learn wisdom from them. Well, they were just as miserable as I was, as it turned out, chasing the wrong <laughs> just rabbit. Just 30 years ahead. Just 30 years race. ahead. <laughs> and so and so that's what God was really feeling into my head was, this is wisdom for you. Listen to me, not others. And that started that started just an avalanche of, of revelation for me that, hey, there's a path to success here. I'm going to redefine what success is. But there's a path to success. And it was really interesting because at that same time, this little church that I joined and I started leading Bible studies and I started leading men's group and I started leading life groups and all these things. The pastor comes to me and says, I just want you to know, Mike, God's told me that you're going to come work for me. Just think about it. I'm not asking you to come work for me right now, but God's going to, what do you think? And I go, I go, Pastor, that is such a that is such a lovely, lovely sentiment. I'm the chief operating officer of a wireless two-way communication company that's 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 spearheading passive reflective radio technology. No one else is doing this. How are you going to use that in the church? And he just said, think about it, pray about it. We'll meet again in a month. And we met again in a month. And we did that for six straight months. Mm. And and then 9-11 happened like between month four and five or five and six. And and I sat down and he and he and he made his pitch one more time. And I looked at him and it was just the Holy Spirit inside of me saying, do it. And I said, okay, Pastor, I'm yours. And he goes, What? I go, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm going to resign from what I'm doing. I'm yours. And I said, we haven't talked about what I would do. We haven't talked about any of the particulars, but I'm yours. And that started a conversation which led me to join the staff as the pastor of finance and operations and uh, and then and then started a pastor career, a second total career, which led to just tremendous fruit, both for me and for my community that that just opened my eyes to what 
true joy and true peace can really be about. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that I'm learning is whenever I I meet a driven person that has a living relationship with Jesus Christ and you can just see it flowing out of them. Those people have the most bizarre resumes on the planet. Yes. It's like, how I, did you get yeah, here? I love to open when I come to speak at a pastor event. I love to open by saying, I'm like many of you. I took a, a very normal path to becoming a pastor. I started out with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering and then got a Bachelor of Science in Material Science and then got an MBA in Engineering Services. And they roar, right? <laughs> yeah, that's because it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. But and, I just, man, I, that story is so powerful for me just to hear sitting across the table. And, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to share that with other people too, because it was, it must have been 2010 that I'm in college at the University of Texas and and someone my second week of my freshman year invites me to this downtown campus of this church called Lake Hills Church and I grew up in a Lutheran church and so it was radically different and I'll never forget walking up to that campus on I think it was on Guadalupe and you're standing outside greeting and that first Sunday I just remember thinking like man that guy has either had a ton of caffeine or he is just like overjoyed to be here or something because he has the strongest That's handshake right. of anyone That's I've ever right. met and is just like the most welcoming person I've ever met. But then it was the compounding effect of every single Sunday, seeing you there every single Sunday. And it was the same level of energy and intensity and enthusiasm and joy. And it's crazy because that's the only Mike Valentin that I've ever right. known. And and now I've gotten to know you, know you since then. And it's like my experience of you in that way, that's like this entire community out here in West Austin. And and I know this is weird to hear because I'm sitting across the table from you, but you are like a stalwart of this community. And people look at you as a spiritual guide in so many ways. And so it's just so powerful to hear like the literal hell that you came That's from right. to get there. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, right? In, in the sense that 14 years of chasing the wrong rabbit and and then was successful and then saw the facade that it was, that it did, did not satisfy in any way. So that enthusiasm that you saw at the front door, and I'm not an extrovert in, in, in the sense of meeting people. That's not my favorite thing to do. I love to be in the back room and, and count your numbers and read spreadsheets. I mean, that's that's my mojo right there. But the joy and enthusiasm you saw, that's real because I'm on fire for God. I'm on fire for telling people about God, and I'm on fire to help other people chase the right rabbit, to help other people find that personal relationship. And when you've got a good product to sell, let me put it in, in marketing terms. When you've got a good product to sell, I'm selling God mm. and, and life eternal. You are fired up and you'll go outside of your, your comfort zone because you want everyone to know about it. And, and, you know, I, I be, became so equipped to, to, immerse myself in this community to help those that were either chasing the wrong rabbit or they weren't investing in their marriage or they weren't stewarding their resources well and they're really struggling or whatever the situation life was throwing at them and say, there's a better way. Mm. There is peace and joy and the currency of love out there for you in abundance. There's a better way. Either let me tell you my story or let me encourage you to skip the first 14 years of my adult story and go right to the answer because it's worth it. And so that's motivating for me. And and do you ever find yourself 
like when you look back at what your 20s were, do you ever find yourself saying like, I, I never want to go back there again. And at the same time, I'm so grateful because the perspective that I now have. Oh, well, absolutely. And I, I, that, that juxtaposition is very real. I would love to go back for just a moment. I'd love to play another football, baseball, and basketball game, knowing what I know now <laughs> back then. Right? right. I'd love to do that just once. I'd also love to, again, I'm a rule follower and I broke some rules and I made some mistakes. I'd like to undo them, mm. but I'm finding that God uses those mistakes so much now that if, if, if I were to take those away, I would lose the fuel to help people mm. now. Mm. And, you know, it's easy to look at mistakes that you make and saying, I'm unqualified to fill in the blank. I'm unqualified to be a father. I'm unqualified to be a leader. I'm unqualified to influence and help others. Yes, you are. But we know the one who is qualified. <laughs> yeah. And because we run by that, he uses those, 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 those fall falling down, those tripping points to, to enter into other people's lives to be able to pay it forward. That's right. So, but man, that is a, a cultural, like, differentiator, right? Because culture says, you're not unqualified. You've got this. All you about can do you. This. You're the champion. Go, 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 go. And what you just said, you, just, you literally said your response to that person that says, I'm not qualified is, you finally figured it out. Right. <laughs> you finally figured it out. And, and I want to point you to the one who is qualified where the wisdom can come from. And then you can pay that forward. And there's no better feeling than that. And, and that's been through the, you know, the human history is wisdom comes with that. When we realize that it's not all about us mm -hmm. and, and not, there's only one person that walked the, the, the earth that was perfect and to measure yourself against that. And then, and then to be defeated because you know, I, I, I lost a marriage or to be defeated. You know, I, I lost 10 years to chasing the wrong rabbit. That's, you know, the, the enemy is going to get in your head and, and take you down the path. No, no. God is sovereign and has been on the throne past current. And then in the future, he, he's on the throne. He's allowed this to happen in your life for a reason. And it can be used and redeemed for him. So don't hang your head one bit, but use that wisdom moving forward. That's right. So I think that this is related. There's some people that you see that kind of run this path where they're outrageously driven. They get to the top and find that it's empty and shrivel up, burn out. And it's almost like for the rest of their life, they're kind of relegated to the bench. Yes. And they just become apathetic and lazy and probably pity pretty pessimistic as well. Yes. And that is so different than your story. It's almost like you retained the drive that made you the COO of a Fortune 500 company by age 30, but it just feels like it's coming from such an incredibly more healthy place. So can you explain how do you retain the drive, but make sure that it's done in a healthy way? Well, well, for, for me, it's getting on my knees and being in the word of God and growing that relationship as he reveals, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So so he's got such a masterful plan for me in his grand scheme that I just need to be real close to him and to, to hear his 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 quiet voice to go out and and do the things that I'm capable or I'm not capable of doing but he wants me to do anyway and that drives me because if I can help one person not do something that I did that was wrong or if I can help someone 
do something that sets them up for life. I love to play that long game because I know that that's going to be generational success for them. So let me give you, for instance, one of the ministries that I have right now, G3 Ministries, is to help people, is to help people set up their finances such that their dreams and goals are financed when they come up, when it's time to come about. Yeah. What a thrill it is to teach someone the idea of compound interest and in starting early to save and invest. And when you turn, you know, pick it, 55, you're independently wealthy and you can travel the world. Or when you're 40, you can afford the house of your dreams. That type of paying it forward, God showed me that, the, the kind of fruit that that, can, that that can really bear. And that's part of what motivates me each and every day. Every day is new new, right? God, God, order my steps and put me out there where you can use either what I did wrong or what I've done right in your community to help someone else. And that motivation of helping someone else mm. and, and, and just going where he wants me to go makes every day just, just thrilling and, and just awesome to watch what happens. That's the motivation. Well, and it, I mean, this area that we're in currently, it's crazy how how many people around this area have sold out for the massive house and the incredible car. And I would imagine that you've had enough one-on-one coffees with people where you find that, oh, you don't you don't have the financial infrastructure to support any. That's exactly right. It's a shell. It's a shell. It, it's a shell of what's what's really happening. Because usually, when people come to talk to me about finances, they don't come because everything's great and they want to tell me how great it's going. Usually, right? It's not the healthy person that needs the doctor. It's the sick person that needs the doctor. So when they come to me and say, "Hey, Mike, Pastor Mike, can I can I talk to you about my finances?" I absolutely say, "Sure." And I can't wait to help them because they'll come in usually and say, look at my beautiful home. Look at my beautiful cars. Look at my beautiful vacations. Look at the, look at my beautiful country club. Look at, look at, look at, it's awesome. And then I'll finally say in love, how can I help you? And then they'll say, oh my gosh, behind the scenes, it's a miserable, I've got no retirement. I've, I've got four kids. I've got no money for their education. I can't go on vacation. My credit cards are maxed. My wife is unhappy. There's tension in the marriage. I don't know how I'm going to dig out of this hole. Help me. My assumption is that some of them also have maybe alcohol or even drug problems. That's right. right. You're turning to some other solve, right? Because money didn't do it for you. Buying things didn't do it for you. If you're wise, you turn to God, right? At least that doesn't give you a hangover. If you're not wise, you turn to something a little bit more nefarious and, and you're not doing well. Now, not everyone's in that situation, Alex, by, by any means. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, but when lots of these people that are out here, there's some of the kindest, most well-intentioned people that I know that just got sold a lie and they've been buying it for years. That's right. And, and so it really comes down to what I'm looking for people. What is the currency that they're trading? They're trading their time for something. And if it's money, usually that's a yellow flag that there could be an issue. If it's, if it's fame and fortune and promotions, uh, you know, usually that's a yellow flag that maybe the kids aren't being taken care of or the wife isn't loved or the husband isn't loved as much as they need to, or there's not balance in their life. Maybe they're not t- as tight to God as they want. And now trouble comes into their life and they're in panic mode. So I want to be, I want to be that light. I want to be that voice that comes on and says, there's a better way. Let me tell you my story, if that helps, or, or let me show you the better way or or let me just point you in the direction and you figure it out yourself. But, 
brother, I'm here. I'm here for you. That's why I went through what I went through so I can be a resource to you. One of the things that we see a lot of times leaders are challenged by is when someone comes to them with issues, if they're not careful, they will start to internalize those issues and they'll take responsibility for those issues instead of just playing the role of guide and saying, I will do whatever I can to help you and I want to serve you. But but ultimately, you are responsible for this. You're so I can't right. Take these issues. From You're you. so right. And and. Like you have this capacity to sit and make someone feel heard and listen to them. And at the same time, I mean, I've talked to you about some tough stuff before, and I don't ever get the feeling that Mike is leaving that conversation feeling heavier and feeling weighed down because of what I shared with them. So how do you maintain those boundaries? Or is that a lesson that you've had to learn or a natural strength? Yeah. No, it's not a natural strength at all. Yeah. It's, but, but it's a lesson that I learned and, and, and God put it on my heart. Uh, I need to love that person. Mm. I need to love that person. And first and foremost, I need to love that person. I know I'm saying it over and over again because it's, you know, I can, I can, I can feel my body just quiver from, from it. Loving that person takes many forms. They need to be heard. They need to know that what they feel and think is, is, is valid and, and real to them. They need, they need, they might want some advice. They might not. But if I love them through whatever it is and I point them in in the direction of truth and the way in the life i god takes away that burden god says cast your cares on him i'll cast the cares on him i'll pray for that person and ask god to carry that person's burden but it doesn't help that person at all if i carry their burden for them it can go bad in a number of couple ways and i learned this working with the homeless community mm. right if i carry that burden for the homeless community all of a sudden i've entitled them even more to not be responsible for their way out of the situation that they're in. Which isn't actually loving them. Which isn't actually loving them, entitling them to to more misery. And that's what it took for me. Alex, a quick, a real quick story. Yeah. I got tapped to be the downtown pastor for this large church for five years. When I started, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know my elbow from my knee, but I did get on my knees and say, God, just lead me. I'm going to love these people. That's right. Here you're telling me, love these people, lead these people and do life with these people. And I inherited 12 homeless people the first day I walked in. And I just remember the lessons that I learned from, from working with these people as well as everyone else there. But I learned that to love them, I had to, I had to listen to them. I had to really love them and maybe give them some advice or, or maybe help them a little bit, but I could not accept their burden and I could not be responsible for their next step. But I could encourage them to take that next step. And that's what I think really connected with with them more than anything, because I was encouraging them to do it. And you know what? The ones that succeeded to get out of their situation, they were the ones that that it clicked in their head. I got to do this. Uh, my brother, Mike, is going to do it with me. I'm going to be right there with them. I'm going to encourage them. and I'm going to love them every step of the way. But they got to do it, not me. So speak directly to the leader that wants so bad for someone on their team to have that light bulb moment where it clicks for them. So I, I, and, and this is a big one for me. I would tell that leader, you know, lovingly, lovingly communicate the vision that you have for that organization. Lovingly communicate the mission that, that, that you've been given to do communicate what the role is you want that person to play. 
Ask them to come up beside you and, and achieve those goals and objectives together. Tell them that they're going to be measured by their fruit, not just their effort, not just their words, not just by showing up at eight o'clock in the morning, but by their fruit. And then, and then be there with them in the journey. And, and most times that's going to be enough for them to be successful. Sometimes it won't be, but even then you're going to have to lovingly move them on to greener pastures. But when it's done in love, I just, I've learned the respect that's, that's built, the mutual respect that's, that's built out of that process just helps you, helps your business and helps that person for, for whatever's next in their life. That's right. One of the things we talk about all the time is like, you are responsible to them. You cannot be responsible for, for them. And it's, it's a huge distinguishing factor that changes the mentality and culture of a place whenever you start to take that on. That's right. And we know from, from the Bible, right, that trust, trust and, um, communication are just two major facets in developing that love and that relationship. That's right. So when you're having that discussion with that employee, you're asking them to come along for the ride. Here's the vision I have. Here's the mission. This is the role I need you to play. Can you do it? And you're communicating back and forth. Yes, I can do it. What do you need for to be equipped? This Okay, I'll equip you. Okay, this is the goal I'm going to measure you to. Can you accept it? Yes, I can. Okay, great. I'm right beside you. Let me know I, how I can help. Now it's yours to go do. So when that time comes that you've got to either reprimand or encourage there's no, there's, there's no guessing on what the conversation is going to be. It's all out. We know what the goal is. We know what the path is. We know what, what the fruit is that's required. It, it's not that hard if you have to do corrective action because they should know it's coming. Mm, that's right. It shouldn't and surprise a, anyone. It shouldn't surprise anyone. And it's an act of love. That's right. And that's how you've got to view it is I am loving this person just by being clear. Exactly right. Okay. So this is a little bit of a gear shift. So you run G3 Ministries right now. And yep. You're the owner of that organization. Yes. You're pouring out your experience and your wisdom into the lives of others. You're also, I believe it's called options trading. Correct. correct? Okay. I want you to describe a little bit for people that aren't familiar with that whole world, what that is and what the, and just the high level of what that represents, yeah, of course, and then how you got into that. <laughs> I say high level because I know you could give us oh, the, I love the this stuff. five hour dissertation on what options trading is. That's right. So my ministry is G3 and I, and I, and I'll always be a minister for God forever, but but I trade weekly options as a way to, to make money and feed my family and and, and will be my uh, retirement plan when the time comes. There's, there's a third thing that I'm doing. I'm mentoring other pastors for, for, for different churches right now. Mm. I want to pass on that wisdom as much as I can so other people can go and do that. And that takes a little bit of uh, time of my week. But I, but I options trade, which is really, uh, it's, it's, it's a fancy way of saying I, I sell risk. I'll, I'll stop there. But I sell weekly risk as a way, as a way to keep my mind in, in, in the analytical, as a way to keep my mind in the math, which is my first love. And and it allows me to see patterns. It allows me to, to, to come up with statistical probabilities and then trade based off those probabilities as a way to earn a living forever. <laughs> is that high enough? That is. Anytime you use math and love in the same sentence, I just think to myself, we are opposite. Oh, it's people. beautiful. We mentioned earlier, you know, th I love the written word. I love to read. That's awesome. But but I love the written number. You know, a spreadsheet says to me just as much as as a novel or or a, or a book would, and and that's just how I was geared and. 
And it's amazing to me how God uses that, right? Because two areas that I love to minister in is newly marrieds mm. or newlyweds or about to be marrieds. I want I love to go through premarital counsel. And also, I, I like to help people that got into trouble, got a little experience in that, and that is newly divorced mm. or, 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 or you know, gone through some, some trouble there so, such that they, they got to rethink how we handle, how we steward God's money in both of those situations. And it's funny to me how, how all of the learning that I did in science and in math helped, uh, prepared me to, to walk into those two groups' lives and help them go forward. So I think it's important to call out like the options trading that you're doing. It's not just like you downloaded Robin hood and you're just doing some stuff on an app on your phone. It, it, it seems to me as though you made a conscientious decision of like, I'm going to dedicate significant yes. amounts of time, energy, and focus yes. to this. When did that decision happen? And then talk about like the rhythms that came out of that, because you are literally, I mean, there's a difference between an amateur and a professional, yes. and you were doing this at the caliber level of a professional. So how did you get to that point? Well, that, that, that's a great point. And, and, and options trading, responsible options trading, I will say, <laughs> is much like golf. It takes five minutes to learn the basics. It takes a lifetime to master them. And, and when you're dealing with money, the currency, when you make a mistake is you lose money. So <laughs> there's your motivation, right? But, but I dabbled, I've always been an investor my whole adult life. And I learned about options trading because it's very efficient. We'll go into a lot of words uh, uh, on that because it'll bore you to death, but you can, you can make a decent return on your invested capital, very much higher than other ways of investing. So that interests me. And I started as an amateur five years ago. I started as an amateur five years ago. I became a professional three years ago. Is but, that because you studied for two years? Uh, well, I, I studied and, and got kicked in the shins for, <laughs> for, for, for those two years, but I, I could, I, I was, teetering on making a living doing it after after two two and a half years of doing it as an amateur and, and increasing it on 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 a, on a weekly basis keep building building my business i made enough mistakes such that i could i could turn a regular profit and then i went and graduated to i could turn a profit enough that i could live off it or it could supplement my income at the time consistently and now it's my it's my main form of income so i've been able to sustain that but every day is a learning experience you've got to you know it's like anything else it's like your relationship with god every day if you invest in it you'll learn a little bit more and and that's the parallel for me in in growing my relationship with god and uh, options trading it there it's so uncanny to me it's about the effort of investing in that relationship and you'll and you'll benefit from that same thing with options trading you invest in learning a little bit more from other people from your mistakes from what the market's doing from the written word that you everything you can read everything that's on every podcast every 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 facebook post or whatever it may be you've got to you've got to filter it you've got to bring it in you've got to synthesize it and then and then make your improvements or modifications mm. So people that start really investing a ton of time and energy into options trading, day trading in the stock market, anything related to Wall Street, it doesn't seem like there's a great track record of those people 
being described as having a high degree of peace, fulfillment, and contentment. Right? That's right. And, it, and it is, it's all about their approach. So, so talk to me because you, you, like, I mean, we had coffee right before this and I was reminded again, and we meet probably once or twice a year, every year for the past five years. I've never seen you and said, man, Mike just doesn't feel as content as he used to be. So how have you, how have you maintained that? Well, the key thing for me is to say options trading is a way to make money. Money is a tool that I use to live. It's not the currency of my life. It's not the currency of my life. And it's just a tool. And when you get away from worshiping the money, it doesn't turn into life and death every minute. You're not, you're, you're not so focused on it that when you're losing money, you're having a bad day. And when you're making money, you're having a good day. That doesn't work, especially if you're trading, if you're, if there's any risk involved, the, for me, the currency switched to love and peace and joy and the contentment and, and, and my relationships, that's the currency that I'm going to measure myself on now, I'm going to make money to live. So if I look at it objectively that way, it then becomes just a math problem. And I don't want to bore your listeners on math, <laughs> but it's just, it's just a way to make money just like other routines that you have in your life. In fact, what I've done is I've, I've, I've changed my trading such that I've really minimized it as a part of my week so that I don't overemphasize it as a part of who I am or how I'm doing that week. Okay. That's crazy though. You told me this earlier. You said I am, because I think we met two or three years ago and you were like a handful of hours every single morning. I'm, I'm in the spreadsheet. Right. And then today I said, you're doing that every day. And you said, no, I do it two days a week and you're getting better results. So can you explain that relationship? So, so yes, yes. Uh, and I want to encourage people on this. And, and that is I trade two days a week for about a half hour each day. I do do research on Saturdays and I trade on Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings and I turn it off all the rest of the week. I don't look at it. And what it allows me to do, because I was consumed by it before I was consumed. I was always thinking about new trading strategies and new ways to do it. And I can eke out more profit if I do that. I'm consumed by it. And I realized again, I'm going down the wrong path again, because now my focus is on this instead of spend my focus on God, my wife, my kids, my community, my church, and those are the true community the communities I want to be in. Money is just a tool. So I'm going to work on building up my tool two days a week, Wednesday morning, Friday morning. And the rest of the time, I'm going to turn it off. If I've got a good system, and that's what I've worked on these five years is a good system, I can trust the system and the statistics that go with that such that I can treat it as the tool that it is, not the, not be consumed by it by the measure of my success or my contribution to society, right? Mm. I, I'm not... I'm not looking at my bank account to tell me that I'm a successful man or not. I'm looking at my relationships and the peace and joy in my home and in my, with my wife and my kids. That's the true currency. I think there's a leadership parallel there. We, we recorded two episodes on this podcast where we talked about clenched fist leadership and loose grip leadership. 
And there's like this paradox that the looser your grip is, it feels like you don't have much control, but it seems like you're actually more effective the looser your grip is. I completely agree. And it's about trust, right? I didn't trust my earlier system, so I was always on. And when you're always on, you're burning energy in it. Eventually, you burn enough energy, you stop, you stop, getting, you stop being sharp. You're actually dull a little bit, right? So that, that, that loose fist you're talking about is, is saying, God, you're in control. I know you control. You use all things for the good of, the, of, for those who love you. Number one, number two is trust your system. And, and, and it, my system requires a couple hours of research on Saturdays and then trading Wednesdays and Friday mornings. Okay. That's my system and trust it and set it up such that the risk isn't so great that if you take your eye off it for two or three days in a row, you're not losing gobs of money, but you, but, but you know what it's going to look like when you come and look at it Wednesday morning. And, and I like that. If you do the leadership parallel, I learned the same thing. I can micromanage them because I'm probably the best number cruncher in the whole world. But if I micromanage them, I'm really not using my time well. I need to invest in them to do it. I need to give them the tools and the encouragement to do it themselves. And then I need to let them go and do it themselves. And guess what I learned? I learned that they might learn a better way than I know how to do it. Number one, they might be more fruitful than I could have done it. Number two, and I have enough time to go do something else that should be a better use of my time. Now the organization is really, really benefiting. We've got more productivity from the person who should be doing it. And I'm working on something that's that's more fit to my, to my skill level. And that's been, uh, that's been a, a eureka moment for me as a younger leader. I spent a lot of time on the how to do something mm. and that's important. But now as a, as a, as a C-suite leader, it's about what and why I'll teach you how, after I tell you what and why we're going to do and get your buy-in there, then the how is just, just operational excellence that will will work in and and then when i can see in your eyes that you get it you get the what and why and the how then i love being being surprised when they learn maybe a better how or <laughs> or they bear more fruit than i think they can and then we just raise the bar for everybody and yeah. and that's such a gift to people like I, i'll never forget this was when we were working together and you were kind of playing the cfo role at the church and I'll never forget coming into your into your office for the first ever meeting we had to review the PL of my area. And we literally said the phrase PL, and you probably had to tell me what PL stood for at that time. And my eyes glazed over, and I'm sure you saw that. And so, like, you brought so much energy and enthusiasm to explaining that PL. And I remember waking up and thinking, like, okay, uh, this may not be my strong suit. This may not be the area that I have the most fun, but this can be really interesting. And more than being really interesting, it's really valuable able to know about it. And right. I remember listening to that. And now it's like, I'm so grateful. I learned how to do that whenever I was 21 from Mike, because that's something that I do on a weekly basis now. And I'm not incompetent around it, but it's like, because you explained the what and the why to me, I, that unleashed my potential moving forward. And I, that's not a blocker for me now owning my own business. That is so beautiful. And you should never be consumed by those numbers, that's right? right? should never take your eye off your vision. It should never take your mind, your eye off that, that, that mission that you have, but you need to put in the controls in place to make sure that the finances, the financial health is there 
right? Trust your controls that you put in place. Understand it enough such that you don't have a surprise because what you're doing is bigger than just making money, okay? What you're doing is bigger than making money, but making money is a part of what you're doing. So if that fails, the business could fail. So I say the same thing about a church. A church is not a business, but it has a business component. So we've got to steward that business component to make sure that it's holding up its end of the bargain so that we can keep our eye on the big the big fish, the big stuff we're supposed to be doing as as a C-suite leader, the, the mission and the vision that we're doing and making sure that we're out there communicating and leading people. So yep, it's got to be in its proper perspective. But going back to that conversation we had as a 21-year-old, when we were talking, we together we realized that we're going to look at your PL. That PL isn't the currency that we want to really measure your ministry on. It's just a component that we're going to measure. We need to, we need to be gathering people. We need to be spreading hope. We need to be spreading encouragement. We need to be building into each other. Those are all the things that we really uh, should be measuring as our currency. And we can't, we can't break the bank in doing that or else the, the ministry goes away. So it's proper balance too. It's a both and. That's right. And that's what you connected it to for me that made it so powerful because you even said our mission here is to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. Like one of the ways that that happens is spur leadership, which is the ministry that you're currently helping lead and run. And part of the how of that is PL actually kind of matters to make sure yeah. this still exists next month. Yep. And, and the beauty of that was you were young and you didn't get it then, but because because you were paying attention to the right things, the enthusiasm, you know, building enthusiasm, building communication, connecting people to people, your business was, you know, your PL was really, really good. And if you can remember in that first conversation, I was saying to you, keep doing what you're doing because you're self-sufficient. You're exceeding your financial expectations. You can keep expanding this as fast as you want to because you're taking care of the business aspects of it because you're taking care of the right things, the right currency. That's a wonderful position to be in. I could look at you and say, hey, essentially do whatever you want. Keep doing it. Keep growing growing it because you've got the cash flow behind you to support that and you're not putting any other ministry at risk. That's a great sweet spot. That's why. And I know I was telling you earlier, we just hired the COO, Zach, and I'm so excited because I think literally the role that you played for me in that meeting almost eight years ago now is, is the the role that I think he's going to play for our organization, which it's like, I'm not going to live in those numbers because I don't enjoy living in those numbers. He's not going to be consumed by those numbers, but he's going to be hyper aware of them to such a degree that he can tell me like, man, you have the cash flow to go pursue the next iteration it's of exactly this vision. Right. And, and that's what I want to tell people is if you're not good at the financial side of the business, the answer is not for you to spend all of your time becoming a financial master, get someone that can give you the high level dashboard to just give you the rope that you need to run with the vision that you have. And get some counsel. Heck, I'll help you if you want. Yeah. Get some counsel on, on a system that you can trust so you can, to steal a tagline, you can set it and forget it. So, right. So don't be consumed by it, but it's gotta, it's gotta be taken care of or the business can go away and we don't meet the goal. But yeah, uh, there's but, some people that say, oh, I don't want to be consumed by it. And they use that as an excuse to be ignorant. That's exactly it. right. And that's not stewardship. That's not stewardship at all. That's, that's blind. And you might still be successful or you might not and crash and burn. And that's in that, that there should that, that should never be a surprise to anyone. Get the right people around you that are working within their their blessings, their calling, 
right? Have great communication and build great trust and watch that thing just flourish. This is so outrageously valuable for me. I like, I want to do one of these every time we're in the same city if I you love be it. for it, because this is so, we could go on for four more hours. Before we get to the final question, I want people to know where and how they can connect with you, whether that's through the G3 website or what would be the best way for them to connect with you. You, you know what? I'm, I have turned from a math geek into an interpersonal fiend. <laughs> and if anyone wanted to connect with me, they, they should just send me an email and, and I'll give them my phone number. If if they were ever to need help on what it means to have financial freedom, if they were to ever need help on what it means to set up a, a, a system so that we're measuring the right currency, send a note to mvelton at hotmail.com and I would come with bells on to, to, to help you or point you in the direction as best I can. Mm, I love that. My challenge to y'all, this is what I started doing with Mike. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. That's so valuable. My challenge to y'all, I'll never forget it. The first time that we had coffee at B Caves Coffee, I made a point of saying, I've heard John Maxwell does this. He shows up to meetings with a list of questions to ask. And I, I remember leaving that meeting so grateful that I did that because it made sure that I utilized the time to gather everything that you had to give. And so I would just tell y'all, if you're going to send that email or if you're going to make the call to Mike, show up with a list of questions prepared because you want to make sure that you maximize that time because it's so valuable. My final question for you, you gave us a snapshot of Mike at age 30 and the three words you used were empty, disillusioned, and ashamed. Yesterday you turned 60, which happy yes. birthday. Thank you so much. So give us the three words for age 60 and then tell us a little bit about what you're excited about right now and what's going on in your world right now. Okay. Well, thank you for that question. Certainly those three words would change. It, it's such an abundant season for me right now, and there's so much more. So I, I, I would say, gosh, I, there's, I, I want to give you 30, not three, <laughs> but I, I have such loving relationships. I'm so blessed. I'm so content and I'm so hopeful slash positive about, about just what's happening and, and, and how, how God's going to keep moving in our lives. And, and some will be bad, most will be good, and it's all going to be awesome. And I'm looking forward to each and every day that he gives me. I'm learning more to, to live in the moment, the day. It's not always in the future. And, and just take it for what it's worth. God is right here in the room with us right now. And he's right with me every single day. And that's such a, a rewarding feeling. And, and for me, I'm in transition. I told you I'm mentoring people and I'm, and, and I'm loving that. And that comes to an end fairly soon. And then I start a mobile ministry of just, a, I should say this, I expand my G3 ministries, a mobile ministry teaching, preaching, and helping people with financial freedom, whether that's a, a, a person, a, a couple, or a business around the world. G3 stands for Glory to God Globally. And I want to be just God's apostle going around the world, wherever he wants me to go, to help people achieve and sustain financial freedom. And I can't wait to see what that happens. And I'm so excited about it. I'm selling my house and I'm going to be an Airbnb uh, brat <laughs> for the next couple of years and just go where he tells me to go. I love it. And Jana's on board with and it. Jana's too. on board with it, too. <laughs> God bless her. Awesome. Very good. Well, Mike, I, I so appreciate you. Th thank you for being such a good friend, for being such an outrageous mentor and for just being, gosh, the the a living 
exhibition of what it looks like to be on fire for Jesus Christ in my life and so many others. Thank you. Alex, first of all, thank you so much. I, I love you dearly. And the time, any time I get to spend with you is amazing. I'm so proud of you and what you're doing for God and what you're doing in your business, helping others. Keep it up. I want to encourage you to just keep it up. Go where you need to go and 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 uh, and do your thing because you're so talented and so gifted and God has really blessed you. So praise be to God and 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 thank you for being you. Mm. Love you, Mike. Love you. Gosh, <laughs> I feel like all I can say is I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. He is just he is just a remarkable individual. Before we go, before we close out, I, there's something that I just think is really important to tell you that I know Mike would want me to tell you as well. And that's just that we can look at that whole conversation and say, wow, look at everything he's been through. Look at everything he's now doing. Look at the people he's serving. Look at the impact he's making. Wow. Isn't Mike amazing? And and it's true. Mike, Mike is amazing. But I think if we stop there, we miss the point. Because did you notice where the transformation happened? The transformation happened when Mike made a decision, a decision to stop selling out for individual achievement and a decision to surrender himself towards serving others and glorifying the God that created him. And what's so cool about that principle is that that's a decision that you and I have the opportunity to make every single day. Every single day, we're faced with a decision. We're faced with an opportunity to say, we can climb the ladder of individual achievement or we can focus on what actually leads to fulfillment, which is serving others and serving a purpose that is so much bigger and greater and grander than yourself. Now, I'm never going to tell you what to believe, but I'm also not going to ignore what I believe. And for me, it's the same as Mike. For me, something changed whenever I sold out, whenever I surrendered to Jesus Christ. But more than anything, what I want you to hear is that you've got to have a purpose that makes it worth it. And the beautiful part about that and the beautiful part about it all is that Mike now has fulfillment and achievement. It's just so encouraging. And I'm just so grateful to Mike for his intentionality, for his investment and for his example. And how cool is it that he just gave you his email? Uh, and he's dead serious as well. Literally, we finished the recording and he stopped. He said, Alex, let me tell you how I can help you. And that's just very characteristic. And he said, if you have people that listen to your podcast or if you have people that are part of your membership community that just need financial triage, they need someone to come in and bring a clear perspective and just look at things not to sell them anything, but literally just to bring advice and to bring wisdom and to help them make sure they're measuring the right currency and to help them from becoming overwhelmed. He said, that's the person that I wake up to serve. And so if that's you, and if you get overwhelmed thinking about and looking at the numbers right now, I would really encourage you to reach out. And even if this episode just added value to you, if it impacted you in any way, I'd encourage you to shoot him a thank you email because I know he would appreciate that. So we'll put his email in the show notes. 
Hey, before we go, remember that uh, we send out an email every Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. There's literally hundreds of y'all are on that now. We're so appreciative that you read that every single week. So we'll put the link to sign up for that in the show notes if you want to check that out, or you can go to pathforgrowth.com and sign up for Worth It Wednesday. Hey, our whole team is rooting for you. We want to see you win. We are absolutely your biggest fans. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 